Good morning. Let us begin by saying the words of the scripture, if we claim we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So therefore let us together confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Eternal God, we admit that we are seldom amazed and astonished. We take for granted so much that was once thought to be impossible. We are consumers of human ingenuity. Sometimes we think we have no need of you. Matters of the spirit are far down on our list of concerns. We are even suspicious of those who claim to see visions and skeptical of those who seem carried away in their devotion to the faith. Yet we long for something more than our daily routine. O Spirit, come to save us from ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. God, our Heavenly Father, who of his great mercy has promised forgiveness of sins to all with hearty repentance and true faith turn to him. He has mercy on you and pardons and delivers you from your sins. He confirms and strengthens you in all goodness and he keeps you in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. through the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. This is a good, wonderful morning to greet one another in the spirit of the Lord. Shall we do that?
Good morning. We welcome you this morning on this great day and this Memorial Day weekend. We're thankful that we can be together to worship God and to be about God's good work in this world. And we hope that you will find this to be a place of welcome, especially if you're visiting with us today. We hope that we can have the chance uh, to meet you and uh, greet you. If we have not yet done that already, uh, please fill out the friendship pads in the pews and that will give us one more chance of putting name and face together. And also, we invite you to join us out underneath the tree after the service. It's a perfect day to do that. So come on out and enjoy a cup of coffee and, and some further conversation. Lots of things are happening with us and for us during this Memorial Day weekend. I want to call to your attention that uh, today we'll be doing our Support Our Troops boxes. Uh, Part of our tradition here at Church of the Palms is to be supporting those who are serving our country in places far away, and we invite you to stop off and underneath the tree or going out that door. Jim Hessen will be there to uh, acquaint you with the boxes that we will fill up with goods that we will send off to our troops over in other parts of the world so that they can know that we are being supportive of them and their efforts. So uh, it's a great way. It's a very uh, easy way. Everything's kind of almost done for you except you getting that stuff and putting them in the boxes and sending them out. So we hope that you'll do that. So make sure to stop off at one of those places after our service this morning. Uh, continuing in that theme, this afternoon at 3 o'clock, the Jacobites will be here in the sanctuary to uh, lead us in a Memorial Day concert. It's a great, uh, it's a great uh, annual tradition here at Church of the Palms. Uh, John's favorite instrument, the bagpipes, are being played. So, um, uh, you know, bagpipes are the music of heaven, so get used to it. So we um, get used to it, John. So 3 o'clock this afternoon. Next week, David Moffat, uh, one of our own who is just returned back from the theater of war, Afghanistan, will be here to share a little bit about his experiences. So yeah, be aware of that as well next Sunday after this service. Our families today, you'll notice a couple empty spots in our sanctuary this morning, are out at the beach worshiping. And uh, they are gathered there to enjoy some fun, some fellowship, and some worship and are under the beautiful canopy of God's creation. So keep them in your prayers as they enjoy their time out there. Uh, continuing in the family theme, uh, they will be sponsoring in about a month or so on June the 26th, Ben Zobrist and his wife Juliana. Ben Zobrist, a pitcher for the, uh, for the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, will be here to uh, lead us in a time of reflection and to uh, encourage us as we uh, wonder together about how we can grow in our families and grow in our faith in Jesus Christ. So you won't want to forget that event. Also, uh, June 10th is our Vacation Bible School. Uh, five fun-filled days for your children or grandchildren. Sign them up underneath the tree after the service or call the church office. If you'd like to help and volunteer for that, we would love to have you come and uh, be a part of that. You're not too young or too old to do that, so we can always use an extra pair of hands to help us out with that great week of encouraging our young students. And then lastly, on page seven, we make available for you the details about how uh, Church of the Palms can be supportive of those who are victims of that terrible Oklahoma tornado that 
tore apart uh, the community of Moore this past week. Uh, many of you have been asking about how we can support them financially. You can send checks to here. You can give them in the offering plate or send them to the church office and mark uh, that you are supporting the Oklahoma disaster. And uh, we um, also, if you want to, you can send money directly to the Presbyterian Disaster Assistance Fund. But all those details are on page seven, but we invite you to, re to uh, give that offering even today if you so choose as we continue to hold that community and those people in our prayers as they go through this awful time. Let's continue our worship. blessings we pray for peace comfort for family protection while we sleep we pray for healing for prosperity we pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering and all the while you hear each spoken need yet love us way too much to give us lesser things cause what if your blessings come through raindrops what if your healing comes through tears what if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? And what if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? We pray for wisdom, your voice to hear. We cry in anger when we cannot feel you near. We doubt your goodness, we doubt your love, as if every promise from your word is not enough and all the while you hear each desperate plea and long that we'd have faith to believe cause what if your blessings come through raindrops what if your healing comes through tears what if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? When friends betray us, when darkness seems to win, we know. 
Let us pray. O Lord, on this Trinity Sunday, we come as your children, claimed and baptized in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We honor you, God of our Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, the one and only God of our hearts. We thank you for all the gifts of hope and grace and love you have given us in our individual lives and in our life as a family at Church of the Palms. Bless us as we move from school year to summer, from end of season to the time of those for whom Sarasota is now a year-round home. Guide us, O God, in our care for one another in our ministries of equipping and proclamation, and in our mission serving the needs of those you love, close to us as well as far away from here. We pray for your peace, O Lord, for you alone can move within human history to set at right those things that caused conflict and oppression and poverty and war. On this Memorial Day weekend, we also remember and lift up with gratitude those who have given of themselves and their lives in service for our protection and freedom. We pray as well for those who are in service this day, especially those who walk in places of danger and struggle, we pray. Guard them and give them your peace for which they serve and grant that they may come safely home again. Gracious God, we pray for the victims of the tornadoes in Oklahoma. We pray also for those who are struggling with illness or loss and distress this day. Grant the grace of your healing and comforting and reassuring presence. 
be with all the missionaries and bless their work, we pray. We also remember to pray for those, our young families who are worshiping you at the beach today. Bless their worship, we pray. We bring our prayers to you in the name of our Lord Jesus, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thy name's kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now let us continue to worship God through the giving of our offerings.
Let us pray. Our most generous and loving God, you bless us each day and every moment of each day beyond our understanding. Now accept these token of our gratitude in offering, for we bring them to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. may be seated. Our scripture this morning is taken from the book of Proverbs, the eighth chapter, verses one through eight, and then the last five verses of that chapter. Hear the word of God. Does not wisdom call and does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way at the crossroads she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town at the entrance of the portal she cries out, To you, O people, I call and my cry is to all that live. O simple ones, learn prudence, acquire intelligence, you who lack it. Hear, for I will speak of noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth, 
Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. Now my children listen to me. Happy are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Happy is the one who listens to me watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But those who miss me injure themselves. All who hate me love death. Second lesson is from the Gospel of Matthew, the fifth chapter, verses one through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain and after he had sat down, his disciples came to him, and then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And then these last, these verses from the first chapter of First Corinthians that are not printed in your bulletin. Paul writes and says, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. We ask, O oh God, that we may have hearts to discern, ears to hear, eyes to see that which you would wish us to see, that we may gain wisdom that we may discover your will and purpose for our lives in this world, for we ask it in Christ's name, amen. A couple of weeks ago, I was meandering through the local bookstore and the title of a little book caught my eye, 10 and a half things no commencement speaker has ever said. Written by a Dartmouth professor, Charles Whelan, who I'm sure has sat through his fair share of commencement addresses. 
The book is actually an edited version of remarks he gave to a recent graduating class at Dartmouth. Some of his ten and a half points of advice were refreshingly honest and bore semblances to reality. Things that maybe you wished your commencement speaker would have said to you, not that you were really listening to begin with. Points like, try not to make the world any worse than it already is. <laughs> Marry someone smarter than you. If you're asking me, I have no idea what the future will bring. Take time off. And by the way, it's all borrowed time to begin with. Truth is, while some of your best days are ahead of you, he says, so are some of your worst. And lastly, your parents don't necessarily want what's best for you. Reading this little volume made me think of the time of year that we find ourselves in and the effort being made by hundreds, maybe thousands of speakers who are asked to stand before colleges and universities and high schools and trade schools and middle schools and God forbid grade schools to impart upon the graduates and gathered guests their greatest wisdom when it comes to the world and to the living of life. Here, say these speakers, are the spectacles inherited from my experience through which I suggest you should view the present and the future. Frankly, I love reading the text of commencement addresses just to see the outcomes of the Herculean efforts made to condense all of what could be said about life into hopefully 15 minutes or so. So maybe it's more than just a coincidence that the common lectionary that we've been following since Easter has us in the eighth chapter of the book of Proverbs in which the great proverbialist speaks to us about wisdom. In fact, it is in these early chapters of Proverbs that the author has wisdom speaking to us in her own voice. And, and the voice of wisdom is a voice of invitation. To you, O people, I call and I, my cry is to all that live. O simple ones, learn prudence, acquire intelligence, you who lack it. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. From, for my mouth will utter truth. Listen to me, my children. Happy are those who keep my ways. Happy are those who listen to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. Forever, whoever finds me, wisdom says, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Lots to be said for wisdom, lots to be said from wisdom, and who would debate the point that wisdom is one of the greatest things a person could ever hope to have? What greater compliment could be paid a person than to say, wow, she is wise? It is to suggest that somehow and in some way, some small way, she's got it figured out. What a great gift to have, the gift of wisdom. And yet the Bible doesn't have a whole lot to say about what exactly wisdom is. She does not speak up wisdom in Scripture and in any concise way spell out in five points or seven points or ten and a half points all that we would ever need to know about the world and about life. She just simply says, wisdom says, we need her. 
If life is to have meaning and purpose and happiness, she says, well, then you need to find me. But where? Where do we find her? Where do we find this wisdom? That's a good question. Well, it's at the outset of Proverbs that we are given perhaps our greatest clue in our search for wisdom. The oft-quoted verse, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It is a significant clue in that we are reminded at the outset that wisdom is not something that you and I figure out on our own. It's not something that we attain after having booked the right passage or found the right treasure map or heard the right commencement speech. Wisdom begins when you and I realize that wisdom is imparted. It is revealed. It is given. Wisdom comes from God, and because she comes from God, it is those who place themselves in the posture of eager and humble student, keen and focused observer, amazed and diligent witness who are most bound to discover the wisdom God has to give. That's what the fear of the Lord is about, taking the humble posture of the created, wishing to be further formed and instructed by the Creator. What have you to teach me, O oh, Lord, not unlike the story of Mary and Martha, Jesus is visiting Mary and Martha, and Martha's working hard in the kitchen, getting dinner ready, and Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, sitting still, listening, waiting for a revelation. And Jesus says, she has chosen the better part the one that will not be taken from her. Sitting still and waiting for a revelation. You may have noticed this week the obituary of Joseph Farman, 86-year-old Joseph Farman. I did not know of Joseph Farman until I read his obituary. Joseph Farman was a British scientist who discovered almost 30 years ago that a hole in the ozone layer had formed. It was a stunning discovery that every ozone scientist up until that point had missed completely. And the thing is that Joseph Farman wasn't even an ozone scientist. However, he was one who had gained a particular interest in the atmosphere that hovered above the South Pole. He had been to the South, been sent to the South Pole to do some research some 25 years before, and he made it his practice to take daily atmospheric and ozone measurements, daily. He wasn't even sure what he was looking for. He just, he just daily sat still and pondered and wondered and collected his data every day. The data he collected from the beginning was not unusual. It remained relatively constant, enough so that his superiors asked him to shut down the research. Why keep looking if it doesn't seem to be telling you anything different? But Dr. Farman insisted that he keep observing and measuring even if it meant a lifetime of discovering nothing new. 
For 25 years, 25 years he did this in the face of ridicule and the impatience of his colleagues. And then in 1982 came the moment when the first measurement came back that was different. And the next one after that a little more different. And the next one after that a little more different until before he knew it, he had discovered before anybody else a hole in the ozone. And all because he sat still and waited. He had not changed his posture of diligent and humble observer. Wisdom comes to those who hush themselves to see, to hear, to notice that God may be saying something new if I would just observe, humbly study the ways of the Lord. Remember the ending to Thornton Wilder's great play, Our Town, a play about life in a small fictional American town, Grover's Corners, New Hampshire. It's a story about the comings and goings of simple people in a simple town, which at first glance seemed rather mundane and pedestrian, but it's at the end of the play when Emily Webb, a, a young woman having grown up in town and married her high school sweetheart and had her own child, tragically dies as a young mother. But she's given the chance in this play to revisit a day in her life in Grover's Corner. So she picks her 12th birthday and she returns and she sees the comings and goings of her mother and father and brother and the neighbors and her schoolmates. And at first she's so happy to see these people again in their simple, simple mundane passings, but then she painfully observes that no one is paying attention. No one is really noticing each other. No one is really looking at one another. They're, they're all in a hurry. But it's all there, the beauty, the wonder of life, but no one seems to notice each other. Says Emily to the stage manager, I can't go on, it goes so fast. We don't have time to look at one another. I didn't realize, so all that was going on and we never noticed. Take me back up to my grave. But first, let me look again. Goodbye, she says, world. Goodbye, Grover's Corners, Mama and Papa. Goodbye to clocks ticking and Mama's sunflowers and food and coffee and new iron dresses and hot baths and sleeping and waking up. Oh, Earth, she says, you're too wonderful for anybody to realize you. Do any human beings, she asked the stage manager, ever realize life while they live it? And the stage manager responds, the saints and the poets, maybe they do some. The saints and the poets, for these perhaps are the ones who have sat still and waited for a revelation, taking pause before the grandeur of their creator or the events of the day or the unfolding of life and are quiet enough to see the hand of God etching a lesson or painting a picture or showing a sign that says, this is truth, this is wisdom. Victor Hugo, in his great novel, Les Miserables, takes the first 75 pages of his story 
of Jean Valjean to tell the oft-ignored prelude to the story, and the prelude to the story is the life of a French bishop who out of great tragedy commits his life to humble and contemplative service. Hugo chronicles his repeated acts of grace with and for his people, and as to then explain why such acts of grace and mercy, Hugo at one point describes the bishop this way. He contemplated the grandeur and the presence of God, the eternity of the future, that strange mystery, the eternity of the past, that stranger mystery, and all the infinities hidden in every direction. And without trying to comprehend the incomprehensible, he nevertheless saw it. He did not study God. He was dazzled by God dazzled by God, overwhelmed by God, and in being overwhelmed and humbled and then being humbled, able to take the posture of a student and observer and learner and dazzled admirer. So when Jesus begins his Sermon on the Mount, he invites us into the blessed life. And what are the means toward blessedness? Blessed are the poor, he says, or humble in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. In other words, blessed are you who find yourselves humbled enough to know that there is so much more to learn. Life has its own way of humbling us, doesn't it? All of us at one time or another, if only to show us that we are not as much in control as we thought we were. That life is bigger than us and God is bigger than life. And it is a healthy fear of this that starts us to our revelation. Sit still and wait for the revelation. On this Memorial Day weekend, I'm taken back to the final scene in Steven Spielberg's Saving Private Ryan that shows an old World War II veteran making his way along with his family amidst the crosses and stars of the American cemetery in Normandy, France. He had been one of four brothers who went to the war. Three had been killed, and the film tells the story of the unit that had been sent to save him from being the fourth of four sons to die. Many in that unit die as a result of trying to save his life. So here he is now at the end of the story, an old man left to live years and years with the questions of why. Why of four boys was he allowed to survive? And why did so many have to give their lives to save him? a lifetime to think of these things. Tell me, he says to his wife at the end of the story, tell me, tell me I've led a good life. He had found his wisdom that life was lived best in grateful response And so an old former Pharisee who thought he knew all he needed to know 
gets knocked off his horse on his way to Damascus, halted in his tracks for a revelation. The voice of God. And for three years, he listens and learns and studies and wonders. He becomes poor in spirit, grows meek, hungers and thirsts for righteousness, gets his thorn in the flesh. Life has grown so much bigger than him. And God is bigger than life. And as he says, he sees himself as nothing more than a clay vessel, the least of the apostles. Maybe God has him right where he wants him. Because it is only at that point that the old apostle can look up and see what he once could not see. The Son of Man on the cross, Christ crucified. Foolishness to some, a stumbling block to others, but to those who are still, who wait for revelation, this, he says, is the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. And life is best lived in grateful response.
now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.